Welcome to the Get Ready with Tony Stewart podcast. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Donna Bandaloni, somebody who I've known for a long time. Donna, good morning. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Tony. I'm delighted to be here. It's great to have you. Um, so just a couple of notes uh, for our listeners. The Get Ready podcast format is changing uh, to cover each month's Get Ready financial calendar item, which is designed to help you stay financially prepared. Uh, this month's action item is about having a family financial meeting. In other words, communicating with your spouse, significant other, and your children, whether they're kids in your home or adults out on their own. Um, communication is so important, and that's why I'm so happy to have Donna on today. Let me tell you a little bit about Donna. Donna's superpowers are communication and connecting people, and that's where I met Donna is with her connecting people. Um, Donna is a leader in the planned giving community and a frequent speaker at uh, many national planned giving webinars and planned giving conferences um, across the country, assuming we have in-person conferences ever again. <laughs> um, so a couple more things about Donna. Uh, Donna has just founded her new venture, Genuine Giving. Uh, Donna also is serving as a senior consultant at the Heaton Smith Group in Atlanta. Uh, Donna has served as the Director of Planned Giving for leading healthcare organizations and Senior Director of Charitable Gifts for world-leading financial institutions for more than 25 years. Her capacity to lead and execute produced significant growth in gift planning programs for large healthcare foundations located in Northern California, the Lucille Packard Foundation for Children's Health, and the California Pacific Medical Center Foundation. In addition, Donna held director positions at large financial institutions such as Merrill Lynch Trust, Wells Fargo Charitable Management, and Mellon Financial, and has successfully expanded their charitable services to the nonprofit center. So Donna is a planned giving powerhouse. Donna, <laughs> it's so great to have you. Um, so honored to have you on. You've been a great friend and a mentor uh, and uh, just learned so much. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Tony. I just want to say I've learned so much from you as well. So I feel honored to be asked to be here, and I hope that I have something to share to your audience. You sure do. Um, so can you tell us just a little bit about what you do and uh, your journey? Sure. So you've already given a great background of information to our audience, but um, really what I've done is I've taken a look at all the varied experiences that led me to this role as a consultant to be able to refine for our clients, and those clients would be nonprofit entities, large and small, who are looking at uh, increasing their planned gifts for those institutions in a variety of ways. And since I've led gift planning programs, I have a particular insight in how to grow and develop them and to work with donors in building lasting relationships for institutions. Um, but in, in my earlier career working with financial institutions, it was really important for me to understand how best to serve clients individually with their financial planning, charitable gift planning, and overall personal wealth management. Um, and so it is a pleasure now to be able to have conversations that are not just about finance, but 
what matters most to the individual donors and client relationships for these institutions. And that has to do with three parts that I focus on, family, financial, and philanthropic values. Um, and I think it's particularly appropriate for your topic on family meetings today. Yeah, well, the, that's so important um, to have that conversation with family members and to hit on that. And it's, it's about so much more um, than finances. So many of us in the financial services area tend to focus on the financial service aspect rather than on the client and um, what's important to them and what they want to achieve. Um, so why, why is it important? Why do you feel it's important for family members to communicate with each other about their financial affairs? Well, I think, I think it's really important to provide education and support and a safe place to have conversations around topics that may sometimes for each one of us have its own sensitivities. And in building uh, a relationship with family members to feel safe and comfortable and uh, show their vulnerabilities and knowledge and understanding of these topics is really critical to the success. Um, and starting in a family with children, I think the earlier you can start in having very basic conversations um, that it will provide an openness and a gradual education based on their maturity and understanding of topics, as well as an understanding of how parents can do their best to impart values, as well as prepare their family members for the future uh, in terms of financial management. Well, that's great. So, uh, you know, I, I think you hit on an important point is people often think that you know, kids are not ready to learn about money or they often don't talk to kids about money. Um, you know, when would you say is a good time to start talking to children about money? Well, I think if you keep it simple and not discuss, you know, the actual dollars and cents of the family situation, but really focus on simple concepts, think about it. I think I, you know, personally learned as a child uh, elementary school, you know, I remember a couple of important things. One, we used to have banking envelopes, nickels, oh, yeah. dimes, and quarters that we would on a weekly basis have a banking envelope filled up with change that I would save from little tasks around the house or just asking my parents for a nickel or a quarter. And those envelopes would get banked in our local Waterbury oh, Savings okay. Bank. So there were two things. There was banking envelopes and there was milk money. Mm -hmm. And I remember learning about making change and, and having change available to me for those purposes. Um, mm -hmm. And I think basic concepts that children can relate to make it easier for them to start to have uh, a knowledge and understanding of concepts such as spending, you know, mm -hmm. mom and dad may give you a quarter and of that quarter, maybe it's a dollar today, but in my age group, it was a quarter, which was a lot of money at the time, 25, 50 cents and a dollar was a big deal. But mm -hmm. a part of each dollar that parents might give you, that there's an option of either learning about best ways to spend, you know, what does that money go for? Uh, save, maybe a portion of it we want to save. In this case, the banking envelopes was that example that I remember. Mm -hmm. And then also to think about giving. 
mm-hmm. and donating and, and teaching children a little bit more about if we have enough for ourselves, what about others and how can we make a difference with our dollars and cents? Um, but there are, you know, basic concepts you can start with that have more to do about your own family, its heritage, its uh, knowledge of, of what they've learned from their parents and grandparents. Um, and sometimes those traditions that are passed on are a great way to start conversations. But in answer to your question, I think the sooner the better. Uh, it doesn't have to be very involved conversations, but but doing it in ways that are meaningful to the children based on their age. Um, and certainly at elementary years from age five to 18, you have a lot of maturity and understanding and growth in the, in the individual family members. But you want to look at the dynamics at the time, the health and ability to understand concepts and to build on that information as you share. But just those basic save, spend, and, and give are really important. Definitely. I, I would agree. I remember that as a kid getting money for a comic book and, you know, uh, you know, thinking about what I want to do. Do I want to save my money? Do I want to uh, you know, go all in and buy a candy bar and a comic book? You know? Exactly. <laughs> How do exactly. I spend the money, you know, with it? But mm-hmm. it, it was with a little bit of guidance um, from my parents. And I think that's the missing piece oftentimes is that we think um, the kids are going to get financially educated somewhere, uh, but it does start within the family, uh, Mm -hmm. financial education. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, otherwise it's not going to happen. So unfortunately, financial literacy is not a mandated part of our educational system. Um, I think that would make a difference, but that's a whole other subject. Um, so, you know, one of the things you hit on is that the conversation changes as the kids grow older. Um, what do you see as some of the, you know, rough benchmarks uh, where that happens and how does that happen? Well, I think, you know, in college years, especially, I think about how young adults are bombarded with information. You know, they go to college and, and they're hit by all the financial institutions who offer credit cards. Uh, Mm -hmm. easily. And I have heard from many parents and in discussions with clients, as well as the reality of family members, I've observed a great deal over these years. And I've found that understanding, you know, assets and liabilities as concepts, Mm -hmm. as well as, uh, you know, living within our means and Mm -hmm. uh, realizing credit cards and debt (laughs) and the ability to, um, to really understand budgeting and saving mm-hmm. uh, as well as, you know, this money doesn't come from free on a credit card and it's not, you know, an automatic ATM that's endless, but rather it has its limitations and its mm-hmm. expectations that if it's parents contributing to this money while they're in school, I think there needs to be a shared responsibility and accountability for how the funds are spent and saved. Definitely. I, I would agree. I know I got into a little bit of trouble with a credit card, you know, in college is I thought this is great. I've got all this money. I'm really rich. <laughs> you know, I take my friends out to dinner, you know, yeah. uh, and everything, you know, fortunately the credit limit was really low and, you know, so I was able to manage your payments and eventually pay it off when I got my first job. But yeah, you know, you're in college and you're not really thinking 
you know, at that age, you're not thinking about long-term consequences. And I think that's a big part of it is um, communicating uh, with your college students that, uh, you know, you have to think beyond four years or five years um, yeah, at that age. I, I was just going to say, I think the other thing is really helping these young adults understand the institutions that are part of the process from mm -hmm. banking, savings, credit, establishing credit in the best possible ways as they are young adults. Um, many college students like you and I, I'm sure, had part-time jobs. You know, I started at 15 while I was still in high school working on weekends in, you know, family run or, or, or whatever catering businesses that my dad introduced me to. But that money, when I brought it home, I had to start thinking about, okay, what am I going to do with it? How will it help support and save for school, uh, education? If parents can't 100% fund your college education, then you need to think about taking responsibility for learning how best to save and invest to, to achieve your goals. Yeah, Definitely. Well, and even budgeting. I know when I went to college is that, um, you know, even though I, I received, uh, you know, my parents paid for tuition and uh, mm -hmm. the housing is that everything else, you know, I had to budget for. I had to make sure I had food, um, exactly. you, know? Yeah. Um, you, you know, so some months, you know, until I really got the hang of it, you know, at the end of the month, there, there wasn't much to eat, you know, the typical college right. student and top ramen, you know. Exactly. Yeah. You have to really manage the ebb and flow of how the finances come in and you start to understand. Uh, but it's limited, right? I guess parents' guidance and conversations about, you know, you've heard from your parents, money doesn't grow on trees. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think, you know, those are are opportunities for family meetings to sit down and talk about, you know, here's what we're going to deposit into this account. It will serve you X number of months or or a year and you need to manage it accordingly and start to look at where does, where does the money go? Right. Mm -hmm. I, I'm sure you've told people or heard people who once they uh, have a large amount of debt that they have to analyze exactly how much am I spending on each item? And when you start to look at the receipts and calculate it up, you start to make changes in your, in your spending habits. Um, so I, I think it's a, it's a real gradual learning and experience, both positive and sometimes setbacks for individuals uh, until they get a hang of it. <laughs> oh yeah, for definitely. Sure. For sure. Uh, yeah, well, let's segue a little bit into um, adult children, um, which is where I think you've spent you know, a lot of your time is, um, how do you know, adult children and parents start to have the financial conversation about, you know, the parents planning, how, how do they structure their communications and conversation? Well, I think, you know, first I'll start by saying most adult parents, and especially as they get closer to retirement years or after the children's education is, is somewhat paid for, or they're helping maybe with graduate school or what have you, but overall they start to think about retirement savings for themselves and they want their kids to become more and more independent. Mm -hmm. um, and it's an important conversation if in fact these family members have a family business or they have uh, a conversation regarding, you know, what is meaningful to you 
each child may have a whole different set of goals and objectives, personalities, management ideas of how they want to live their life, uh, how they want to work, uh, and so forth. So I think parents typically want to make sure as part of their goals on the financial side and family, you know, what will be, what will be their financial responsibility as these young adults get off into their world? Will they marry, have a two-family income? Um, they want the best for their children is my mm-hmm. experience overall. But many people, especially today, um, people don't want their kids to have too much either. So that there's yeah. some limits set and conversations about it is your responsibility to take over, you know, for your own individual family goals, for your desire to um, pursue your career, as well as keep the responsibilities and learn more about savings, investing, the whole concepts of owning a piece of real estate, you know, sharing more education is what I find, um, especially when it comes to debt, family businesses, assets, um, versus just the ebb and flow of cash. Definitely. Yeah. Well, that, that's a great point because the whole nature of the conversation does shift about what the emphasis is on towards assets rather than savings. Um, and then I, I think the other big question too is where you, I, I think where you're focused on a lot is, you know, as you mentioned parents are concerned about passing on too much money to their children and that planning. So when parents start doing, you know, their sophisticated or any estate planning is, you know, how do they bring the kids into the conversation? And conversely, how do adult children start to bring up the conversation with their parents who are, you know, in their 70s and 80s so that both generations understand final wishes adult children can start helping their uh parents to be you know on the lookout for elder financial abuse i mean Mm -hmm. how do you get into that conversation because there's there's definitely a generation where they don't talk about money right and the generation that i you know my parents didn't talk a lot about money that really pushed me out to learn on my own and actually part of my career transition, why I, I initially got into financial services was really to learn how to be financially independent myself. And as a woman, I realized that it was even more important for me um, to be able to be responsible for myself, to pursue career options that I could afford uh, to invest in myself as well as my education. And that, the more independent that I could be, the more successful in my mind, that was my mind, Mm -hmm. Uh, not everybody thinks that way. But I think it's important as um, families are becoming more seniors to analyze, you know, how does this family want to be remembered, have that conversation with Mm. their children? Uh, what, What are the takeaways that it's not about the dollars and cents, it's really about the values. And children learn very early on from their parents, about their values, you know, where they put their emphasis on, whether it's education, charitable giving, uh, an understanding of independence, family business leadership, mentoring, you know, there's just a whole wide array of various values uh, to give back to society, you know, social capital versus 
just focusing on the individual, the me generation, right? But it's, uh, it's really important that children understand their parents too have goals as they prepare for retirement, that they want to maximize all that, all that they've done through their working years and career opportunities, not only to make their children independent and educated to survive the best that they can, but also to, to take care of themselves in retirement and um, really make the most of what their assets are as they age while engaging their children in conversations about what, what does this family stand for? How do mm. we want to be known? I think that's a really good question. And it takes different kinds of activities coming together, whether it's at holidays, such as Thanksgiving has been used as an example for many families of, of wealth, as well as just normal families coming together over holidays because kids are so transient these days with their careers cross country. I'm an example of that, leaving Connecticut mm -hmm. in my thirties and, and really having to be responsible later in life for my mom's healthcare. I mean, these are things I would have never thought about, uh, but it forced me to really become knowledgeable about how to take care of myself, but also to take care of my parents when they were really leaning on me for that guidance and direction, um, especially um, with health considerations. I think health is a big segment of what determines some of the conversations for family members, even early on, um, mm -hmm. how to take care of each other as well as themselves. So. Well, that's great. Well, you know, let, let me ask you one more question on that is, you know, how could adult children approach it with a parent, you know, who's a little bit reticent um, to have that conversation, um, you know, where, you know, realistically, if that parent's approaching 90, is they may need some help with their financial affairs um, to make sure they're not a target of elder financial abuse or, to understand their healthcare directives or just to know where their will and trusts are so that they can know what to do. Um, sure. How do you approach that? Well, a lot of parents, there's, there are two sides of the coin. A lot of parents want to prepare their kids to understand if something happens to your father or I, here is what we know to be true. Here are where the documents are here, you know, leaving that roadmap of information because they realize uh, more and more they're facing their mortality. And so it's important. Some parents want to not be a burden to their children, want them to be independent enough to enjoy life to the best of their ability, as well as know how best to use the information they've prepared to make decisions regarding their health and well-being, as well as their, you know, their environment, their housing needs, et cetera. I mean, those, there's so, so many questions. We could talk a whole podcast on just that. But um, then there are other parents who are dependent on their children uh, for their every move. Uh, and so it's a give and take depending on family dynamics and circumstances. But I would say my parents, especially my dad, when he was ill, uh, really came to me and asked me to sit down with him to talk about and presented me a lot of information that I hadn't seen so that I could help not only him and my mom, uh, but things like inheritances from family members, how to prepare with uh, medical and health information, insurances, estate planning, wills and trusts, you know, and insurance, you know, looking at all mm -hmm. these elements 
what do we save and keep for later years or what do we remove now that we don't have the risk associated with these types of assets. Um, so there's lots of conversation. And if your parents are willing enough to share that, um, you're, you know, that's wonderful. Not every family has that dynamic. Others might lean to corporate trustees and other types of family office or other types of structures, depending on the wealth, to provide an infrastructure for those children to either be involved early on and continue to take on more and more responsibility. Uh, it all depends. Yeah, well, I guess, you know, that I, I think the minimum that parents can do or children can ask for is just to know where documents are. Um, exactly. Very basics. You, yeah, if the parents don't want to have uh, the conversation and it is everybody's right, um, you know, people have different levels of comfort about how much they want to share, e even with their children for a whole variety of reasons. And as you mentioned, we could definitely spend a whole hour <laughs> talking about family psychology around money. It's very complex. Yeah, yeah. very complex. Um, but very important to start early on um, to create an environment that welcomes these conversations. And that's not always so easy. So you have to keep it more conceptual uh, with activities that help define these concepts. Uh, not specific to dollars and cents. But when it's time, parents will reveal those uh, assets and liabilities so that their children have a better understanding of what their, the family goals are and how best to maximize the situation. Yeah. Definitely. Well, um, so what's your, uh, this is a question I ask all my guests, uh, what's your number one tip on being financially prepared? Be educated about I love it. Be educated about sources of information because knowledge is power, and then live within your means. That to me goes hand in hand. That's so simple, and I. That's that's why I always tell people knowledge is power. I mean that mm -hmm. that's just so important. Um, mm -hmm. That's great. Thank you so much um, for sharing this information um, and your. Thoughts on family communication has been wonderful. So where can people learn more about you and what you're up to? Well, thank you for asking that question. It's still evolving, Tony. Um, mm -hmm. Right now I'm building uh, my own uh, consulting practice apart from Heaton Smith. So I'm not ready to launch that yet. However, I have uh, aligned with Heaton Smith because it is the closest way that I've identified my values match with an organization that puts its clients first, that mm -hmm. understands family, financial, and philanthropic values. And that's what guides me. So Heaton Smith Group is the website or www.heatonsmithgroup. And uh, if anyone wanted to email me, I'm Donna at heatonsmithgroup.com. And uh, I look forward to any questions or ways in which I can continue to be a resource to you and to get ready. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Donna. And um, for our listeners, um, the, all those URLs and everything will be in the show notes along with uh, Donna's uh, LinkedIn uh, profile uh, link. So okay. if you want to connect and reach out to Donna or just follow her and see where Donna's speaking next. Um, I'd encourage <laughs> you to, uh, you know, to uh, connect and uh, follow Donna. So Donna, thank you very much again. 
It's been my yeah. pleasure for sure. Thank you. And, yeah. And thank you again for everybody for listening to the get ready with Tony Stewart podcast. Uh, please remember to subscribe until next time. <laughs>